Welcome, everyone, to the sixth installment of In the Corner, the one and only podcast about Notre Dame's one-of-a-kind boxing program. Joining us today is a very special guest, the current president of Barackabouts, Notre Dame senior Meg Guilfoyle. Meg, thanks so much for making time to chat this evening. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am really excited about this uh, conversation for many reasons. Um, one of them, I was thinking about this uh, just as we were preparing. Over the years, I have so often heard boxers say, oh, I wish I knew about this freshman year, or I just stumbled across the booth at activities night. You, on the other hand, were the rare Notre Dame student who is actually very well acquainted with the boxing club. And in fact, I believe you were one of only two people who would have arrived at Notre Dame having had two siblings compete in Bengal bouts and another sibling compete in Baraka bouts. Could you talk a little bit about how your family connection to ND boxing has shaped your boxing experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, in high school, I got that question a lot of if I would ever join boxing when I went to Notre Dame. And my immediate reaction was absolutely not. My siblings are crazy for doing that. Why would you voluntarily go get punched in the face? That is not for me. I hated contact sports. It, it was not appealing to me. Um, and, you know, I got to Notre Dame and I immediately realized that I needed to challenge myself. I really do much better when I have a challenge and something to work towards. Uh, and in high school, I always was a part of a club sport and community service. So I really saw Barackabouts as an opportunity to put those together in one and then put all of my you know, time and effort into that one thing. Uh, so I actually decided to join and I didn't tell anyone <laughs> right at the beginning because I was really scared that I was going to be terrified of it and not like it. So I didn't want to let anyone down that I joined and then quit immediately. <laughs> um, but to them, once I had my very first bar, I fell in love with the team. So I immediately went and called all my siblings and I said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to beat you all. I'm going to make it to the finals. I'm going to show you guys I can do this and kind of history from there. But <laughs> That's really funny. And that seems to be a, a recurrent theme. Uh, when I was talking to my sister on this podcast, she mentioned the same thing, how in the beginning she told no one and was going to keep it a secret until it was kind of like, okay, now is time to tell people. Um, it's really funny that the youngest boxing sibling has gone that route. Exactly, exactly. I just, it became a matter of pride. I needed to especially show Joe, who you know very well, uh, that I could do it. So it was great motivation for me. So speaking of, of Joe, uh, while your siblings had some really good success in the ring, your brother Joe, for example, won a championship his senior year. You are the only of the four fighting Guilfoyles to be named a captain which is obviously a huge, huge accomplishment. What was your reaction when you found out you were being named a captain as a junior? Yeah, this is kind of embarrassing because I actually thought the current captains who asked me uh, to be a captain um, my sophomore year to be a junior captain, I thought they were kidding. <laughs> I was kind of embarrassed because I was very confused. So they basically asked us in a really um, beautiful and memorable way. They each wrote a letter to us and asked us to be a captain, you know, as one of the captains that was a mentor to many of us, we got a letter from them, but they asked us to come and meet them for dinner and tell them, you know, get some opinions from vets about how the season went 
and good things and bad things and what we can do better. So I came prepared to the dinner of what we could do better and like what went well. And I was so embarrassed that I came prepared and everyone else knew, but I had no idea that that's what this little, you know, get together was. Uh, so I was shocked and confused. And then I just started immediately crying. And that was even more embarrassing because no one else was crying. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, anyways, I was just really, you know, I was shocked and surprised mostly because when I came here, I never expected to join the club. I never thought I would be a part of the boxing team. Uh, so to be asked to be a captain was, you know, completely shocking to me in the moment I realized like, this is where I'm meant to be. Uh, and this is what I'm meant to be doing here. And it kind of just brought my whole boxing experience together of, you know, I'm, I'm in the right place and this is really meaningful to me. So as shocking as it was, you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Who was, who was the first person you called after you were uh, told that you were a captain? So I called my sister first, actually, which I'm sure my mom would be upset that I called her first. <laughs> but I did. I called her first because it was a really uh, incredible experience to be able to box with her uh, for one season. So, you know, we went to practice together. We sweat together. And she really helped me throughout my entire um, bouts that year. So it was just a really powerful moment to, you know, call her and say, I can't believe this just happened. Like, I made it this far and I can't wait to go even further with the program. So she was a really fun person to call first because she started screaming and, you know, I think was more excited than I was. So she was happy for me, which I appreciated. Oh, that is, that is fantastic. And I'm sure Patty has, has no problems with, uh, with Erin getting the call first. Oh yeah. She got the second call. So she, hopefully she'll accept that. <laughs> um, so it, it, does not surprise me in the least that you talked about going to this meeting and being um, super prepared for it <laughs> and to offer feedback oh, to the captains. <laughs> um, every year, there's a team of incredible junior and senior captains, but the president, and understandably so, uh, always has a bit of extra responsibility. And you being such a, a prepared and, and diligent leader, uh, totally, totally makes sense that you'd be named president. What in the world has it been like being president of Brockabouts and trying to lead in the midst of such challenging circumstances? Yeah, you know, I have been thinking about that a lot this year because I think a lot of people have said that to not only me, but uh, to other captains this year of what it's like to try to motivate and lead our, our fellow boxers during a season like this. But to me, this season, I, as, as different as it obviously is, it doesn't feel different to me. I knew that any season was going to be challenging. Any season, you know, being the president and trying to organize 200 girls and fundraise, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars was going to be a challenge. And it's just a different challenge this year. So that's kind of how I've, I've worked through it and, you know, have never let, like, never let that get in the way of us moving forward and us staying positive. For me, if I've learned anything this year, especially with everything going on, you really have to hold on to the little things. You have to hold on to those small bits of happiness and success and the good days. And so I think we've done a really good job of holding on to those little wins and those bursts of happiness because all of those are going to add up to that one big you know, that one big win and that one happiness, which will be, you know, reaching our goal. So 
this season is similar to being in a ring. You know, we've gotten knocked down in a lot more ways than I can describe, uh, but we've always come back and we've always come back fighting. So I think that has really been driving us and, you know, knowing what our students are going through right now and uh, being able to communicate that to our team and say, you know, they are still not in school. We have the luxury of being able to continue our education online. Uh, we have now the opportunity to even return to school, but unfortunately our students are still not in school. So that in itself has been, you know, the driving factor for our season this year. And then for me personally has been able, you know, it's helped me motivate everyone else and, you know, keep us on the right track of the missions are what we're here for. And despite not having a tournament, you know, our club is much, much more than just boxing. It's much more than that tournament. Uh, and that tournament in itself is always for our missions. And so I think it's been a really humbling year and experience for us to remember why we are boxing and, you know, who we're boxing and fighting for. So it's been a really humbling experience. And to be honest, we are doing the impossible right now. So I'm proud. I'm so proud to be a, a part of a team like this and part of a captain group like this. So I know, um, or I noticed as you were speaking, just this continual refrain of, of our students, of our students, and this notion that, um, I mean, these are, are students in Uganda who really mean a lot to you. Um, and you are the first guest on the podcast who has actually traveled over to Uganda and gotten to see firsthand the impact of the club's fundraising efforts. Could you please share a little bit about the impact your experience of going to Uganda had on you and, and how that changed your perspective on Barack about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so to be honest, my, I was kind of surprised to find that my boxing experience with my trip to Uganda really didn't come full circle actually until um, the tournament last year. So until months after I got back. Uh, and that's because last season I got a concussion, which I was found out two days before the tournament. And so two days before the tournament, after a whole season of preparing and putting all this work into it, I, it was kind of taken away from me right at the last minute. Um, and I wasn't able to compete. And, you know, at first I was devastated about all the work I had put in. I had never felt so ready. I knew I had improved and I was ready to go. But after, you know, a moment of, you know, feeling bad for myself and being upset, I immediately thought about my students and I thought about everything that they had told me, all of the hardships they had been through. And suddenly my entire perspective had completely changed. There was, it was no, no longer about me and it was everything about my students and also my fellow boxers. So I put my whole heart into, you know, helping in the corner and making sure our fundraising goal was met. And it really helped me remember why we actually had the tournament and who we're fighting for during that tournament. So it really just helped me put not only that one season in perspective, but it helps me put now this season that I, uh, I'm leading with my other captains into a huge perspective of remembering who we're fighting for um, and being able to share, you know, personal stories about who we're actually fighting for rather than it just being so far away from us. So I think that's a beautiful part of not only our club, but this new program that we have that we're able to send boxers over uh, because we're able to make that personal connection that we never had before. So we're allowed to share stories about each of our students and show pictures of all the work we've, we've been doing and where the money's actually going. So I think that's probably, you know, what, what brought my boxing experience together and helped me 
lead um, as a captain and able to show them, you know, this isn't just a boxing club. We're much more than, than just a boxing club. So but yeah, I, it's an incredible program to be able to, to be able to go over there. And I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to have seen exactly where that money is going towards and work with those students. So. I mean, it's clear to anyone who knows you. And I think anyone who just listens to you, you talk about it, how this isn't some abstraction for you. It's not, oh, hitting a fundraising goal because, well, yay, we we set a number and we we hit it or, or surpassed it. It's like, no, these are real students uh, who have clearly had uh, just, they've made an indelible mark on you. Um, it's uh, it's really beautiful to, to witness. And um, it's funny, normally this kind of next quick part of the the podcast episode i say oh it's fun for people to get to know the the guests a little bit with some of these hot seat questions but i feel like anyone who didn't know you or rather doesn't know you and is listening to this like they may they know everything they need to know just based on that <laughs> last response and clearly how much of your heart you've invested into this program and um and more importantly into the mission of this um but nevertheless, a fun way to, to get to know you just a little bit better for some listeners. So I'm going to set this um, timer for 60 seconds. I'm just going to fire away some rapid, uh, rapid questions here. Awesome. I've been nervous about this part. <laughs> I'm scared for this part. I'm not quick on my feet, but I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, all right. Three, two, one. Favorite movie. Ooh. Remember the Titans. Summer or winter? Winter. Favorite sports team? Patriots. <laughs> As a lifelong Jets fan, I think that's where we end the question. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I'm just joking. Hidden talent? Um, I can name every country in the world. Wow. <laughs> Favorite thing about your hometown? Uh, the beach and the water. Mm. Uh, zoo or aquarium? Ooh, aquarium. Favorite pre-bout pump-up song? Ooh, lip gloss. <laughs> Favorite dessert? Chocolate. Anything chocolate. <laughs> and we'll finish off with favorite sport that is not boxing. Ooh, football. I love watching football. We'll never play it, but I love watching it. <laughs> Perfect. That wasn't so bad. No, that's great. Um... Yeah, the Patriots thing, that just, uh, that hurts me a little bit as a, <laughs> someone who grew up 15 minutes away from Giant Stadium where the Jets also play. And um, yeah, but that's, that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Uh, so it's so clear that boxing has meant so much to you and that you've taken away just a ton from your experience. What lessons from boxing have you applied to life outside of the sport? Yeah, so I think the biggest lesson that I have learned from boxing is you can always try to be as prepared as possible. And I have the personality where I always like to be over-prepared and ready, but you're never going to be ready for everything. And the most important lesson that I have taken from boxing is that it's about how you respond is what matters, right? So if you, get, if you get hit in the face, if you get a surprise punch, how are you gonna respond? Are you gonna back up or are you going to go forward and fight back? And so I think I've, I've taken that lesson very uh, much to heart uh, because anytime I feel like I, I can't handle something, I always think, well, you know what? 
if I can get in the ring and I can get punched in the face, I can handle most things, you know? So it's all about how you respond to it. Because if you don't respond properly, like you're, you're going to keep getting pushed back. You know, your, your opponent is not going to ease up on you. And so you need to be able to, you know, take a hit. There's going to be plenty of hits. There's, you never get in a bout where you don't get hit. Right. But it's about how you respond. And if, if you respond. So I think that has been my, my biggest, uh, my biggest lesson from boxing and something that has really transformed my Notre Dame experience and my life of, I think I've, I've learned to respond, you know, stronger and harder when I get knocked down. And I've learned to accept being knocked down because it, it helps me to grow. There's always a reason to learn from every, every challenge you face and every failure you face. So you'll never learn and grow without feeling failure. So I think that's probably my biggest takeaway from learning boxing and you know, being in the ring in general. Yeah, no, that's such a great mindset. And um, that mindset, I think, is a great reason why you've had so much success in the program, because it's not win or lose, it's win or learn. <laughs> and right, right. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, you've, uh, you've done a great job each year of finding something to improve on and finding another thing. Okay, I'll improve on this. And I've shored up this and I'll improve again. Right, right. Um, you, um, and so you've, you've had some really memorable moments in the ring, um, <laughs> but so much of what makes Brock about special is what transpires before and after stepping through those ropes. What has been a, a favorite boxing memory outside of the ring for you? Uh, so one of my favorite memories was actually on a Friday when we do our fun runs right around campus. And it was pouring rain that day. And everyone, you know, on the team was looking forward to skipping the run and going right into the gym and doing a regular workout and everything. And to, to be honest, I forget which captain, which captain said this, but, you know, someone looked at all of us when we were trying to decide, should we just stay inside? Do we want to do the run? Someone said, okay, let's be honest. This year we were fundraising for a new dining hall at St. Joseph's Hill where I worked. Uh, and they said, you know what, if our students can eat in the rain, we can run in the rain. We can handle running in the rain. And it was the most powerful moment to me. And I just started screaming the whole run. Like if, if our students can eat in the rain, we can run in the rain. And it was, you know, it was the most powerful experience. It was the happiest run. Everyone could have, you know, been miserable and mad at us for making them go outside, but to be able to put that, you know, that, moment and that connection onto our run and onto our Notre Dame boxing experience completely transformed everyone's perspective uh, on the workout and you know on the club in general so I think that was you know again a reason why being able to send boxers over to Uganda and to teach and work with our students is so powerful because it it's bringing our missions to campus. You know, it's not like you had said, it's not just trying to reach a fundraising goal. It's now trying to support these specific students and understanding why we are supporting them. So that was definitely my favorite moment, you know, outside the ring of something that brought our missions to heart and brought it right on campus. Were you the first cohort that went to Uganda? How many groups have gone over to Uganda? Because it's not been something that's gone on for decades and decades. Right. Yeah. No. So I was actually the second. Um, Marissa Perino was the first. Um, and then El Emily Wilborn was supposed to go this past summer, but unfortunately uh, plans had to change because of COVID. So she's hoping to go again next year if, you know, depending on how everything's going and 
we're actually going in through the our application process right now to try to pick some more boxers. So one day we are hoping to reach what the boys get to do and send even more than one boxer over. So th this year we are hoping to send two if that's possible. But uh, you know, we're always looking to grow and we are a young club, but we're excited to keep pushing forward and, you know, establish us as a, as a strong club on campus. But You have undeniably made great use of your four years in the club and are still making great use of that time. But knowing you and your personality, I'm sure there's still something more you wish you could have taken on or something you could have done do you have a biggest regret about your boxing experience? So it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, a single regret. I think I, like you said, I've tried to make the most out of every practice out of every season. You know, I think there have been some seasons where, you know, I think it put a little bit more time into either the missions or uh, the tournament that I didn't even really notice the people around me. So I think if there, if I had to pinpoint one regret, it was that I was so focused on, you know, helping reaching our fundraising goal or, you know, doing well in the tournament personally, that I, I forgot to, you know, look around me. And, you know, I have made some of the best friends I will ever meet uh, at Notre Dame and in my life through the boxing program. So, you know, we just have such unique and passionate boxers that, there's always more people that I could meet. And I'm so thankful for the girls I have met through this program that I think there's always more people that I could have met. So, you know, if anyone out there is listening who, you know, is a part of the team, take that time during practice to meet someone else, to not rush home to go do your homework or, you know, rush into practice late, you know, take that time to meet girls and get to know everyone because you always learn something from a boxer because they're such unique people and passionate and there's always something to learn from each other. Meg Guilfoyle's biggest regret, not becoming closer friends with <laughs> all 200 people in the club. There are a lot of us. That does make it hard. I have to admit <laughs> there are a lot, but I, there's always more people to meet. I need more friends. Everyone needs to meet more friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great attitude. You can always, yeah, you can always know more good people. Yeah. So I've got two final questions before we transition into our final round feature. The first of which is if you could give one piece of advice, and I know you kind of touched on this a little bit before, but, but still, if you could give one piece of advice to someone considering joining, what would it be? So I would say, just say yes, just join. Uh, because I think I'm, you know, a perfect example of no one ever thought I would be doing it, myself included, that you never know what you're going to fall in love with. You never know what you're going to find your passion in. So if you don't like it, you don't like it. But the biggest failure is when you don't even try. So I would say just give it a shot and you never know what you're going to find out of it. So you know, you'd never even have to spar. If that's something that's really scary or unattractive, be a part of the team, be a part of the missions, you know, work out with your fellow teammates and cheer them on in the bouts. The people that I actually, uh, you know, admire the most in the club are the ones who come to every practice, you know, fundraise as much money as they can and don't even participate. They are the ones that actually that I think have the most courage uh, and I admire the most because they don't get the praise of, 
going up there in front of all their friends, you know, showing their strengths, they're the ones in the background doing just as much work. So, you know, there's always a place for everyone on the team. And it's not, as I always say, it's not just about boxing. So just give it a shot is what I would say. Um, to close things out uh, before the, the final round shout out opportunity, um, we are getting very close to Barackathon and we're coming to the end of fundraising season for Barackabouts. Um, is there any message you'd like to give to, to those or uh, who might be listening or just an update on where things stand and, and what you all are pushing for over these next couple weeks? Yeah, definitely. So this is my favorite part of the of the club, of course. But I think my only message would be, you know, please don't give up on us. You know, we we're not giving up on our students. And this is a very challenging time for fundraising. And it's going to be a challenge. And we're not, we're not afraid. We're ready to fight. And I think if anything is be proven to anyone this year that we have been fighting and we've been winning so far. So we have already raised $35,000 actually uh, with a goal of 50,000. So we are really, really close. We had our very first annual, uh, we called it our Baraka Runathon, which was the most successful, you know, first run of, of fundraising I've ever seen. Actually, we were able to raise $14,000 in just a single week. Wow. Yeah, and we ran over a thousand miles collectively as a team. So, you know, we are just, we're becoming as creative as possible. You know, challenges like this force creativity. And I think we've really taken advantage of that. And the leadership we have this year is unbelievable. It's nothing I have ever seen before, the passion all these captains have. So I would just say, you know, we're ready to go. This Barackathon is, again, creativity. We found a way to box without contact with, uh, you know, our virtual reality boxing. So we're just trying to be as creative as possible to get, uh, you know, to continue to support our students and hopefully we'll be able to get there. But yeah, we're ready to fight. <laughs> well, it's become a staple now. And so to finish up with our final round, I'd like to give you the opportunity to give a shout out to two people who are instrumental in your Brockabouts journey. Yeah. Well, okay. This, I'm not just saying this because you're interviewing me, but I would always, I would always say to you, no matter if this, if you were interviewing me or not, That's very <laughs> um, <fine. laughs> but so no, you, Matt, you have really, you have been a coach to all, all of my siblings throughout all of our boxing career. My brother, especially you have been in the corner for every single one of his fights all the way until his senior year. Um, and, you know, same for me. So you have been someone who, you know, family means a lot to me. So it, I was, I went right to you the second I started boxing because Joe said, you have to go find Matt. He's going to shape your career. If you want to do well, you go find Matt. Uh, so that was the history from there for me, but you have been instrumental in, you know, preparing me and keeping me calm in the ring and you were always someone that I knew I could trust and would tell me exactly how I was doing so that I, you know, could go back into the next round ready to go and do what I had to do. So you have absolutely been instrumental as a coach to me. That is <laughs> very kind of you, Megan, hearing that just, it means the world to me. And it's been, the, it's been a ton of fun getting to, to work with some of the, the Guilfoyle siblings. And um, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a great blessing and certainly have, uh, have 
enjoyed being a, a very small part of this journey and getting to witness it firsthand, oftentimes screaming at the top of my lungs from the corner. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we appreciate it. We're glad we didn't scare you away from the program. So <laughs> there's a lot of us and we couldn't, I can be overwhelming at least. So we'll see. <laughs> Um, but I would have to say my, my second um, most influential uh, person who's gotten me through, you know, every season actually was Marissa Kivy. So she, for, as a, pre as the president this year, actually, specifically, she has been a, a very big mentor for me and someone I've looked up to, to try to do just as well, which I will never be able to do, uh, just as well as she did as a president her year. So she was a captain for two of my seasons and the president um, for her last season. And she was someone who completely inspired me. I actually, that season had no idea who the president was. And I thought that was an incredible leader that she was able to lead both the other captains and all the boxers with no one knowing. And I found that to be extremely humbling and something I always aspired to be. So she has been a complete inspiration to me, not only as a boxer and, you know, her skill level, but as someone that I could look up to, to be the president this year. Um, and I did have to fight her in the bouts and it didn't go well. So I definitely <laughs> admire her boxing skills as well. <laughs> well, I'm sure that uh, that will also mean the world to Marissa uh, if and when she listens to this. Speaking of which, uh, Marissa, if you are listening to this, you have a standing invite to come on as a guest. So hopefully, hopefully we'll <laughs> be able to use this as an impetus to, to get Kivia on as, a, as a, an interview guest for this podcast. But Meg, thank you so much for your generosity of time and for the insights you've offered into how critical the work uh, is that's being undertaken by the Holy Cross missions in Uganda. And for those who wish to donate and support this year's cause, as always, we'll have a link in the show notes as well as in the podcast description. Um, yeah, just Meg, thank you. Thank you so very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and, you know, starting this podcast. This has been great to hear from past boxers that I, that I know personally and ones that I've never been able to meet. So it's been great to hear about everyone else's experiences. So thank you so much. All right, now I'll, well, I hope everyone is doing well wherever they are, and we'll see you next time.